Hello my love, it's reading time again. I've just realised I didn't look at the pictures in between this bit. Three images of the Holy Mother, approximately 500 years old, found in a dig in South Sudan. Lovely. Um, something I've been wondering, where is Naomi Alderman from? There's probably learn about the author at the end of this. Yes. Um, Naomi Alderman is the author of three previous novels, Disobedient to the Lessons in the Liar's Gospel. She has won the Orange Award for New Writers and the Sunday Times Young Writer of the Year. She was selected for Granatus once a decade of the first young British novelists and Waterstones Writers for the Future. She presents science stories on Radio 4. She is Professor of Creative Writing at Bath Bar University and she is the co-writer and lead writer of the best-selling smartphone audio adventure app and book, Zombies Run. She lives in London, so she's English. Um, it's just interesting that she says mom. And um, also uh, that there's um, um, it's all set in America, other than Tunde, which is set in Nigeria, but it all, all other than that seems to be set in America. Hey Google, tell me about Naomi Alderman. English, yeah. Her novels, The Tower, won the Bailey Women's Prize for Fiction in 2017. Oh, interesting. Um, right, okay. Today it's um, Roxy's second chapter. Um, yeah, might as well just get reading. Sorry, I was just reading the reviews on the back. Um, what's in this big cover thing? Oh, it's more reviews. So many reviews. Reviews, reviews, reviews. I'm also a bit sleepy, my love. Um, if you couldn't tell. Uh, but this chapter's only seven pages long, so I'm just going to read it. It's also the 30th of July, 2020. Roxy. Roxy's seen her dad hit plugs before. She's seen him hit them square in the face with all his rings on. Casual just as he was turning to leave. She's seen him punch a bloke till his nose was bleeding, and he fell to the floor, and Bernie kicked him in the stomach again and again. And when he was fi finished, he wiped his hands on the handkerchief from his back pocket and looked down at the mess of the bloke's face and said, Don't you fuck with me. Don't you think you can fuck with me. I get, I get a feeling Roxy's English. Roxy? Roxy? Roxy. It's English by the fact that she said blokes. So uh, I'm going to give her dad a southeast London voice. She's always wanted that. Her dad's body is a castle for her, a shelter and a weapon. When he puts his arms around her shoulders, she feels a mixture of terror and comfort. She's run up the stairs from his fists, screaming. She's seen how he hurts people who want to hurt her. She's always wanted to have that. It's the only thing worth having. You know what's happened, don't you, darling? Says Bernie. Fucking primrose, says Ricky. Ricky's the oldest of her half-brothers. Bernie says, It was a declaration of war killing your mum. Darn, it was a declaration of war killing your mum, darling. It's taken us a long time to see that we can get him. But now we're sure and we're fucking ready. There's a look that passes around the room between Ricky and Terry the middle son. Between Terry and Darnell, the younger one, Three sons from his own wife, and then there's Roxy. She knows why she's been living with her granny this last year, and not with them, half in and half out. 
that's what she says. Not in enough to have over for Sunday lunch, but not out enough to leave out for some things like this. Something like this involves them. Roxy says, we should kill them. Terry laughs. His dad gives him a look and the laugh cuts off midway through a breath. You don't want to mess with Bertie Mon- Bernie Monk. Not even if you're, you're his full-born son. She's right, says Bernie. You're right, Roxy. We should probably kill him. But he's strong and he's got a lot of friends. And we need to go slow and careful. If we do it, we're going to do it just the once. Knock everything out in one go like that. They get to show... They get her to show them what she can do. She holds back a bit. She gives each of them a dead arm in turn. Darnell swears when she touches him and she feels a bit sorry. Darnell's the only one who's ever been nice to her. He brought her an extra chocolate mousse from the sweet shop whenever his dad took him over to her mum's after school. After she's finished, Bernie rubs his big arm and says, That all you can do? So she shows them. She's seen stuff on the internet. They follow her into the garden where... Bernie's wife, Barbara, has one of those ornamental ponds for the big orange fish swimming around and around each other. It's cold. Roxy's feet crunch on the frost-crisped grasp. Grasp? Grass. She kneels down and puts the fingertips, puts the tips of her fingers into the pond. There's a smell, suddenly like ripe fruit, sweet and succulent. The smell of high summer, a flicker of light in the dark water, a sound like a hiss and a crackle and one by one the fish bob up to the surface bark terry says bloody hell says ricky mums ought to be pissed off says daryl oh it's daryl not darnell that makes sense if they're english barbara monk never came to see roxy not after her mother died not after the funeral nothing Bernie and Barbara, what's some what stupid names? Sorry, that's a Louis interjection. Roxy's glad for a moment, thinking of her coming back to see all her fish dead. I'll deal with your mother. We can use this rocks. Margail. Um such a weird voice. I really don't like it. I'm gonna probably stop it. Bernie finds a couple of his blokes who have got daughters about the right age, gets them to show what they can do too. They do play fighting, sparring against two sparring against each other or two against one. Bernie watches them in the garden, sparking and flickering. All over the world people are going crazy about this thing, but a few people always look at anything and go, Where's the profit in this? Where's the advantage? Only one thing's certain. After the sparring matches and practice bouts, Roxy's got a lot of it. Not just more than average more than any of the other girls they can find to practice with her. She learns a few things about radius and reach. She learns how to make it an arc and learns how it works better on wet skin. She feels proud of how strong she is. She puts everything into that. She's the strongest one they've found out of all the girls they've heard of. That's why, when it comes time, when Bernie's arranged the whole thing and they know just where Primrose is going to be, That's why Roxy comes along too. Ricky pulls her into the loo before they leave. You're a big now girl. You're a big girl right now, Rox. She nods. She knows about this, kind of. He pulls a plastic box out of his pocket and taps some white powder on the side of the sink. You've seen this before, right? Yes. Ever done it before? She shakes her head. Okay, then. 
He shows her how to do it. With a rolled up 50 from his wallet, oh, they're 100% English, with a rolled up 50 from his wallet, and tells her that she can keep the note when they're done. Perks of the job. She feels very clear and very clean when they've done it. It's not that she's forgotten what's happened to her mum. Her anger is still pure and white and electric. But she doesn't feel the sadness of it at all. It's just a thing she heard about once. It's good. She's powerful. She has this whole day in her fingers and she lets out a long she lets a long arc go between the palms of her hands, loud and sparkling. A longer arc than she's ever managed before. Whoa, Ricky says. Not in here, all right. She brings it down and leaves it glittering around the pads of her fingers. It makes her want to laugh. How much she has and how easy it is to let it loose. He tips a little bit of powder into a clean bag and pops it into her jean pocket. Just in case you need it. Don't do it unless you get scared, all right? Don't do it in the car for cross sake. She doesn't need it. Everything belongs to her anyway. The next few hours are shutter snaps. Pictures like on a phone. She blinks and there's a picture. Blinks again and there's something else. She looks at her watch. It's 2pm. Looks a moment later and it's half past. She couldn't worry about anything if she tried. It's good. They've drilled her in the plan. Primrose is going to be there with just two blokes. Weinstein, his mate, has sold him out. Brought him to this warehouse saying he needs to have a meeting. Bernie and his boys will be waiting behind some of the packing cases with two guns. With the guns. Two of the boys will be outside to close the door. Seal them in. Taken by surprise. Let her rip. All done and home in time for tea. Primrose won't expect it. Roxy's only really coming along because she deserves to see it happen. After what she's been through. And because Bernie's always been a belt and braces man. That's how he survived as long as he has. So she's hiding upstairs in the warehouse with a peephole down through the grating of the upper level, surrounded by boxes just in case. She's there, looking down when Primrose arrives. Shut her down, shut her close. Shut, shut, shut her open, shut her close. When it goes down, it's quick and deadly and a complete clusterfuck. Bernie and the boys are downstairs. They shout to Weinstein to get out of the way. Weinstein does this thing, this shrug, like he's trying to say, hard luck mate hard cheese but he ducks it down anyway as Bernie and his sons advance that's when Primrose starts smiling and his blokes come in so many more of them than Weinstein said he'd have someone's fucking lied click goes the shutter Primrose is a tall man thin and pale there's 20 of his blokes here there's 20 of his blokes here if there's one they're firing scattered around the entrance to the building using hard using iron half doors against the railings for cover. There are there are just more of them than Bernie's men. Three of them have pinned Terry down behind a huge single wooden crate. Big, slow Terry with his huge, white, acne-marked forehead. And as Roxy watches, watches he... As Roxy watches... As Roxy watches, he peeps his head out from behind the box. He shouldn't do that. She tries to shout, but nothing comes out. Primrose aims carefully, taking all the time in the world over it. He's smiling as he does he's smiling as he does it. And then there's a little red hole in the middle of Terry's face, and he falls like a felled tree. Roxy looks at her hands. There are long electric arcs passing between them, 
even though she doesn't think she ever told them to do that. She should do something. She feels afraid. She's only 15. She pulls the packet out of her pocket and sniffs up some more of the powder. She sees the energy running along her arms and hands, she thinks. And it's like a voice in, voice outside her whispering in her ear. You were made for this. She's on an iron walkway. It's connected to the metal half doors downstairs, which Primrose men are using for cover. There's a lot of them down there, touching the iron or leaning against it. She sees what she can do, all in a flash. It makes her so excited she can barely sit still. Her one knee starts jiggling. This is it. These are the men who killed her mum, and now she know now she knows what to do. She waits until one's resting his fingertips on the rail and one's leaning his head against it and a third's clutching onto a handle to lean down low. One of them gets off a shot that hits Bernie in the side. Roxy breathes out slowly through pursed lips. You've had this coming, she thinks. She lights up the rail. Three of them go down, backs arching, crying out, fitting and gnashing and eyes roll back. Got you. You asked for it. And then they spot her. Freeze frame. There aren't many left now. They're evenly matched. Maybe Bernie's even got the upper hand, especially because Primrose is a bit scared now. You can see it on his face. There's thundering up the iron stairs and two blokes try and grab her. One of them leans close to her. Because that's scary to normal kids. To any little girl. And it's just instinct. But she only has to put a couple of fingers up to his temple and let out a jolt. And let a jolt go through his forehead and he's on the floor, crying bloody tears. The other one grabs her round the waist. Don't they know anything? She grabs his wrist. She's learning it doesn't take much to stop them touching her. And she feels pleased with herself until she looks down and sees Primrose heading out the door that leads to the back of the block. He's going to get away. Bernie's moaning on the floor and Terry's bleeding from the hole of his head. Terry's gone, just like a mum. She's sure of that, but Primrose is getting away. Oh no, you're not, you little shit. Roxy thinks, oh no, you're bloody not. She sprints down the stairs, keeping low, and follows Primrose back through the building, along a corridor through an empty office plan, an empty open plan office. She sees him veering left, and she speeds up. If she gets to his car, if he gets to his car, she'll have lost him, and he'll come back on them hard and fast. He won't leave any of them alive. She thinks of his men taking her mum by the throat. He ordered this. He made it come true. Her legs pump harder. He goes down another exit into a room. There's a door to the fire exit and she hears the handle go and she's saying fuck, fuck, fuck to herself. And when she hurls her body around the corner, Primrose is still in that room. The door was locked. The door was locked, wasn't it? She's got a hold of a metal bin. He's got hold of a metal bin and he's bashing at the window to break it. And she dives down, just like they'd practised, slides and aims for the shin her one hand grasping at his ankle. Sweet, bare flesh, and she gives it to him. He doesn't make a sound the first time. He topples to the ground like his knees give away, even while his arms are still trying to bash the window with that bin so it clangs into the wall. And as he goes down, she grabs his wrist. He gives, She gives it to him again. She can tell from the way he screams that no one's done this to him before. It's not the pain, it's the surprise, the horror. She sees the line run up his arm, just like on the bloke in her mum's house. And thinking of that, even remember it makes it even remembering it makes it run stronger and hotter 
through her. She screams like there are spiders under his skin, like they're biting him inside his flesh. She eases it off a bit. Please, please, he says. He looks at her, makes his eye, makes his swimming eyes focus. I know you, he says. You're monkey's kid. Your mum was Christina, wasn't she? He's not surprised to say her mum's name. He shouldn't do that. Oh, he's not supposed to say her mum's name. He shouldn't do that. She gets him across the throat and he screams and then he's saying, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then he's gabbing. I'm sorry about it. I'm sorry. I was about your dad, but I can help you. You can come and work for me. Bright girl like you. Strong girl like you. Never felt anything like it. Bunny doesn't want you around. I can tell you that. Come and work for me. Tell me what you want. I can get it for you. Roxy says, you killed my mum. He goes, your dad killed three of my boys that month. She goes, you sent your men and they killed my mum. And Primrose goes so quiet, so quiet and so still. She thinks that he's going to start screaming again any second. And he's going to launch himself at her teeth first. And then he smiles and shrugs. He says, I've got nothing for you, love. If this is the way it is, but you were never supposed to see it. Newland said you weren't going to be home. Someone's coming up the stairs. She hears them. Feet more than one pair, boots on the stairs. Could be her dad's men, could be Primrose's. Could be she'll have to run, or there'll be a bullet for her any second. I was home, though, Roxy says. Please, says Primrose, please don't. And she's back there again, clean and clear, with the crystals exposing, exploding in her brain, back in her mum's house. It was just what her mum said, just that. She thinks of her dad with his rings on, and his knuckles coming through, coming away from a man's mouth, dripping blood. This is the only thing worth having. She puts her hand to Primrose's temples, and she kills him. That is the end. Nice cheery ending. Um, next we've got Tunde, who's my favourite. But even though you says he rapes, you say he rapes someone, but that's not happened just yet. So I'll I'll hold back my judgment on Tunde for a wee while, and um, yeah, I think if Tunde does become a bit dodgy, Margot will become my favourite. I just Ali Ali is kind of boring. And Roxy is too much of a gangster. And yeah, Margot, Margot's the kind of person I like. Just small town. Like, has her own problems. Anyway, love, I'm going to go to sleep now. Slippy boy. Um, yeah. I'll see you later.